Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation podcast. Welcome to Mintel's Little Conversation, where our experts bring you fresh ideas and new perspectives on how consumers eat, drink, shop, groom and think. I'm Edward Bergen, global food and drink analyst, all-round foodie, and I'm a massive hummus fanatic. Uh, This podcast has been brought back by popular demand, and it's time for Innovation Battle Part 2. Once again, um, I have our champions, our directors of innovation, Lynn Dornblazer and David Jago. Lynn, Dave, say hi. Hi there. Hello. Awesome. So, once again, we're going to be testing Dave and Lynn's innovation knowledge. Our global food and drink analysts around the world have pitched their favourite launches from the past year. And what I want you both to do is give your honest opinions about each one. Um, All I have given them, listeners, is a photograph of every single one that they'll look at as we go. So you'll hear a little bit of paper ruffling around. Um, Otherwise, they've had no preparation whatsoever. And that's part of the fun. Um, How are you both feeling? Good. Slightly nervous. You said exactly the same words last time we recorded this. It went smoothly. (laughs) So it's all good. Um, So... And we're, yeah, we're going to get a winner right at the end once um, once we get there. So to start with, um, and to kick us off, we've got Kate Fleetstra with some munch for bedtime. Hi, I'm Kate Fleetstra, and my product is Night Food Ice Cream from the US. It's a sleep-friendly ice cream for the millions of consumers who snack on ice cream before bed, and it's even backed by sleep experts. Night Food's view is that if people are going to eat ice cream before bed, it might as well have a sleep-friendly nutritional profile. They've minimized ingredients that could be disruptive to sleep, such as fat and sugar. And they've added magnesium to improve sleep and decrease insomnia, as well as chicory root fiber for a prebiotic effect. I love the colorful, quirky packaging on this nighttime snack that incorporates both indulgence and nutrition. Count me in. Okay. Well, I think, um, to my mind, we've talked a lot about night food uh, over the last, what, year or so. And uh, it certainly is hitting very much an of-the-moment trend. Um, Products for nighttime, products for specific times of day. I certainly do have some questions in my head about the effectiveness or the the substantiation of the claims that they make, um, but I can see where it could have um, consumer appeal. No, certainly, I think it's a uh, yeah. There's clear demand for nighttime snacking, yep. late night snacking. We know that, and I think you know, ice cream can fit as well into that as many other things. A um, little bit of indulgence before bedtime. Um, I think you know the, the balance of, of fats and, and calories and sugars and so on is probably appropriate. Um, when I look at that at first glance, yeah, it doesn't actually look very different in formulation than a lot of other reduced calorie ice creams. Yeah, exactly. Apart from the uh, the night food mineral blend. Um, which includes magnesium, among other things. Um, I think you know the plausibility of it is perhaps almost secondary. I think it's about the perception. Mm-hmm. It's um, about branding. And then, it's the branding. It's the, the, yeah. For the photo, it's it's picture of little munchy monsters yeah. on the front of pack, which is yeah. quite fun. Yes, yeah, it it looks great, and the idea of it is terrific. Yeah, it's a lovely um, idea. What would concern me is it's just the idea of it. <laughs> you know, difficult to quantify if it's actually going to do what it says it's going to do. And I think in the long run, that's potentially a challenge. Yeah, but maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. 
Possibly. I kind of have a feeling that if somebody ate a whole tub of nighttime ice cream, they probably will sleep okay. They might have a few weird dreams from the dairy, if that's a true thing, but they've probably eaten a whole tub of ice cream, so they might yeah, sleep exactly. quite well. Yeah. You think so? They might get a bit happy, at least. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Um, this one that we're looking at, actually, is the after-dinner mint uh, chip, and I quite like that. as a kind of, it's, it's, it's still fitting into that. Yeah, the flavour profile fits yep. nicely. Yep. Yeah, yep. I, absolutely. I'd like to read more, actually, about the um, expert-approved element of it, the sleep expert-approved. That would be quite interesting. And see just how they're supporting that. It's just interesting to see the language that people use to get around things like that. Yeah, exactly. I don't really know this. What does magnesium, what's magnesium meant to do? Well, I think it's got a number of different functions. I mean, it helps in energy metabolism, but that's normally related to energy, I thought, rather than relaxation. I think exactly. it can cut both ways, though. We have and seen thought, relaxation products in the past. Yeah, but I thought that was the same with zinc as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Not clear. I'm not, I'm not clear, no. certainly. Not I've, clear. I've, I've come across both magnesium and zinc in a relaxation yep. context, but I don't know how they're supposed to work. Was it, is it during your sleep you metabolise foods better because you've got magnesium in possibly it sounds like you've built a convincing marketing story all well, around just, there I, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I'd ask you while you're here may as well ask you <laughs> so okay so we have our nighttime ice cream we're going to yeah. keep in the same theme around uh, frozen things um, and next we have Graziana Mendez um, with a very sustainable sorbet Hello everyone, my name is Graciana Mendez. I'm the Senior Insights Analyst for Latin America and I'm based in Sao Paulo. Today I want to talk about a brilliant product that I'm passionate about. It's called Maracuyá. Yes, such a great name, right? And it's a passion fruit sorbet. It's naturally made, so no refined sugar, no preservatives. It's sustainable because it's made with the fruits rind, so no plastic involved. It's locally made. They have a partnership with local farmers. And it's convenient because it comes with a spoon attached that it's made of cardboard, same as the lid. And it's from an entrepreneur from Peru called Valeria Gucci. Thank you so much. That's well, nice. That's yeah. a really nice concept. It's a really nice concept. Um, uh, I mean, the whole idea of having something that's sold in um, the hollowed out rind mm. of whatever the fruit is and then it looks like from this this photo that we have in front of it that it does have a, a lid or something that sits on top cover, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the spoon in between um, to me what stands out is we've seen this concept before meaning orange sorbet, lemon sorbet mm-hmm. in a hollowed out piece of fruit but we haven't seen the hollowed out piece of fruit be the only package yeah. and that's what stands out here. Yeah absolutely, You're stripping it back to the bare essentials. Yeah. Yeah and it was something I think I remember seeing in food service many years ago. Yeah. Um, probably not as a commercial product so much, retail product, but certainly in food service I think the concept's quite familiar. Mm-hmm. If it can be scaled to any kind of reasonable extent I think that's a really interesting proposition. That's right. So my next question around how would you commercialise something like this? Because it's, right. it's going to be short shelf life because of the, the rind even if it's frozen yes, the rind exactly. is going to deteriorate at some point. Yep. And, and then how do you how do you deal with the food safety issues yeah. especially food safety regs in some co- countries that yeah. are so strict. So you can see working locally can't you? Yes. Like very local production local consumption. Exactly. Buy it eat it. Mm not really take it home put it in the freezer eat it a month later yes. I don't exactly think it's that right. sort of application no I don't I don't think it could be um, so in that sense it's almost a um, 
uh, interesting branded version of a street food. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps which is, it's that. Which is really kind of fun. But, which is still interesting in itself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It reminds me of having coconut ice cream in an Indian restaurant served in the coconut. Yeah, yeah. exactly. forever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. part of the theatre. Exactly. So it's part of theatre. It sells right. the authenticity of the ingredients. It sells the fact that it's handmade, hand-prepared, artisan, mm. yep. local, fresh. All those great values come through really strongly. You don't need to tell the story yep. because it's obvious from the presentation of the product. There's something else about this that's kind of interesting. Um, when you look at the one image, it mentions specifically, so it's not only the experience and the funness, it's about the naturalness and the health because it says fiber, vitamins, and antioxidants. Mm-hmm. So it's pushing a health message as well, which to me like, yeah, really sets it apart a little bit because that's not normally what you would see with something like this. No, it's presumably because it's arguably less processed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay, great. That was a nice one. I like that one. Um, we are moving in more of a dairy direction with our next one. We've got Jenny Zegler, um, and she's going to come at you with some yogurt from a brand that you've probably heard of. Hi, this is Jenny Zegler, global food and drink analyst based in Chicago. My pick for innovative product is Chobani Less Sugar Greek Yogurt. In this era of sugar consciousness, this is a line that simply contains less sugar, no additional sweeteners. In the case of my favorite flavor, Gilly Cherry, it contains 8 grams of sugar versus 15 grams of sugar in the same size container of a standard black cherry Chobani. As you can tell from Geely Cherry, all the flavors also have a specific geographic origin or variety, and every flavor that I've tried has been really vibrant and fresh. So to me, this is really a relatively rare, lower sugar version that doesn't taste like a trade-off or a step down. Okay, Chobani. Well, that's uh, uh, Jenny's comment about it not being a trade-off or a step-down. That's the real message here, I think, Mm. Um, and the real potential benefit of any product like this. Because if you can do less sugar and still have it taste good. Yeah, and that surely is what Chobani and all other major yogurt players, particularly in the U.S. market, need to be pushing really hard. Oh, of course. Is making less sugar acceptable. Yes. If you can get consumers to trade off, because they think there's a trade-off. Less yep. sugar means less, less taste, taste mm-hmm. less favourable taste, less appealing taste. Yep. If you can convince them of that, and Chobani's probably a brand that can, then you'll get the trial purchase you need to probably make it work. Yes. Because I would imagine it does taste really pretty good. I would think They're it not does. Get it wrong. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, though, that I am guessing that Chobani's going to have to do a lot of uh, consumer education. As yeah. I recall, I don't recall having looked at this specific specific flavor, but I had looked at the less sugar uh, Greek yogurts from Chobani a few months ago using our purchase intelligence data and purchase intent was lower Mm. than other Chobani Greek yogurts, which is exactly what you would expect with the comments being about taste. So the... um, Quite often, what's communicated on PAC doesn't always match up with, with what the experience actually is. And so that's going to be the real key, I think, for Chobani to get consumers to try this one. For in Europe, yogurt products, I, I, has low sugar not been around for a long yeah, time? Yeah, or zero sugar? We've seen I think it's it. more established already in the European market. I mean, I look at this, and I, from a European perspective, I think, well, there's still quite a lot of ingredients in there. And there's pretty still relatively yeah. large amount of sugar in there. But yeah. that's, that's a difference to the market. That's right. Yes. I mean, you can, you've got to compare this with the U.S. yogurt market, and it's it's a significant change. Yes. And you look at the ingredients on this Greek yogurt, 
And while it might be very different from from Greek style yogurts that you would see in Europe, it's very similar to the other Greek yogurts that you see in the U.S. market yeah. with all of those ingredients. Yeah. Um, unless you're talking about Faye or very specifically the Greek yogurts that come from Trader Joe's. Um, so in that sense, it isn't that different. And Dave, to your point, the sugar levels on um, yogurt in the U.S. are shockingly high. Yeah. Yeah, they've been coming down in Europe typically across most major brands and most most major brands have been playing with reduced sugar, less sugar, no added sugar, even variants. Mm, yeah. um, some of those use high-intensity sweeteners, many of them don't. Um, and those tend to be the ones that focus on very simple recipes, you know, three ingredients, five ingredients, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's a different part of the market. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So simple, less sugar, might yeah. work for the US market. Yeah. Um, so... We're going to move on to a different category now, and we've got Alex Beckett with an energy drink. Hello, my name's Alex Beckett, and I'm a global food and drink analyst, and my nomination for this innovation battle is Limitless Watermelon Lightly Caffeinated Sparkling Water. It's less caffeinated than regular energy drinks. It's essentially a flavoured sparkling water with 35 milligrams of caffeine compared with 80 milligrams for fully loaded regular energy drinks like Red Bull. Um, now, this is important because our data shows that people want uh, an energy hit, but a kind of controlled, lesser, more controlled energy hit um, rather than the full blown explosion of that 80 milligrams uh, so they can drink it maybe in the afternoon more without it affecting their sleep something which generation z is really worried about anyway this is my nomination i think it's going to do well they've just been bought by dr pepper as well so expect to see them on a store in a store near you soon thanks a lot <laughs> this whole near waters market and uh, if you want to call that sparkling enhanced waters market has just been exploding I know Alex is really keen on a lot of introductions in this market yeah. um, there's some really interesting stuff I think the biggest challenge for anybody playing in this space is the sheer proliferation of offer Yes, because it's become so blurred and so competitive in such a short space of time that for any brand to really make an impact has become three times five times harder than it was a couple of years ago yep Exactly. Uh, I think one of the positives here with this one is that it's very clear about the amount of caffeine. Yeah. Yes. That it says on front of pack 35 milligrams mm. of caffeine. To me, that feels like they're taking a page from all the CBD drinks that we see being very upfront by it yeah. uh, with exactly how much CBD is in there. Um, so that you know, you would know then that you're getting just a little bit of a boost and not a big boost and yeah. certainly not the boost that you would get from the Starbucks triple shot, which is 225 <laughs> milligrams okay. of caffeine. So that's actually not too much when you see it. No, and to me that, that seems like that might be one of the challenges here, actually, because so you want a cafe, you want a boost, but you don't want an energy drink. But you're, but if you drink energy drinks, you're used to having your Red Bull or whatever, and about 20 minutes later you feel it. Mm. Are you going to actually feel it? Will you think that there's a benefit here? And that's one of the things that I find a little bit challenging. And also, 35 milligrams, is that enough to even make a dent 
Um, I don't know. I guess it depends on the consumer. I mean, yeah, if the target right. market is people that perhaps typically avoid caffeinated drinks because they contain too much caffeine, then it yeah. probably works just fine. Yeah. Um, or perhaps people who are, have already begun to wean themselves off caffeinated drinks. <laughs> I think, yeah, if, you, if you're trying to get... I don't know get, any of those people, do you? <laughs> no, personally, no. no, I don't. Mm-mm. But if, you, if you're trying to get it to appeal to, to energy drink users, then I think it's probably too low. Um, yes. I, I, w- I don't know. I would question how much how much does the US consumer know about caffeine content. I mean, in the UK, I don't think many consumers in most European markets would know what thirty five milligrams mean. Would the US consumer? No, get I, that? I don't know. As if consumers would know how much that much means. Yeah. But they might understand that relative to others that mm. are higher. Yeah. You know, so knowing the Red Bull, uh, what did Alex say? It was eighty or whatever. Yeah, you know, like um, consumers. Especially if you're energy drink, an energy drink drinker, you would know that. Yeah, you would have yeah, an I idea of that. The Star- I mentioned the Starbucks triple shot partly because it says on front of pack yeah. 225. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but you'd have you would have something to compare to, even if you didn't yeah. know 35 milligrams does this for yeah, me. Yeah. You mm-hmm. would know that it would be less than half. Um, mm. But how, how does it compare with? Um, Though the other players in the healthy energy drink market, well, the reason I'm looking at it is you, the listeners can't see the photo, but they're very big on zero sugar, zero artificial ingredients, yeah. zero calories as the main claims yeah. at the bottom of the pack. And does it then sit in a similar place to other energy drinks that are playing in that natural space? See, to me, this doesn't feel like it's an energy drink. It feels like it's a functional water. Yeah, right. So it would be with the CBD waters and vitamin water and sparkling ice, which doesn't have much in terms of functional benefit, um, but is sparkling and flavored and all of that. Um, and even given that this is watermelon, it feels like it's a um, an alternative to bubbly and LaCroix and all of that, which totally makes sense then why uh, Keurig Dr. Pepper bought it. Yeah, mainstream. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, to me, it almost feels like the lightly caffeinated message is secondary. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it says it fairly big, but yeah. it's more the no sugar, no artificial ingredients, no the, calories, and then the flavor profile. Yeah. Pretty flavor. Yep. Yep. Um, it's really clean pack as well. The design is yeah, quite clean and white. It's really, nice. really cool. Mm. Yep. Um, okay, we're going to move on. Complete Again, moving to a completely different category and to a completely new region this time. We've got um, Jolene Ung, um, who's based out in our in Singapore, Um and she's got a nice bit of rice. Hello, my name is Jolene Ng, Senior Global Food and Drinks Analyst based in Singapore. My pick is ripe rice from Better Food and is made in the USA. Rice is naturally plant-based and now we see an increased trend in vegetable rice innovations such as cauliflower or broccoli rice. What's right with ripe rice is a re-engineering of rice with four ingredients including lentils, chickpeas, peas for optimal protein and fiber level, and finally rice to make sure it tastes like rice similar to how plant-based meat tastes like actual meat itself. An added advantage with ripe rice would be a short ingredient list and texture consistency to mimic white rice. 
So I have to apologise to David because before we did this podcast, I promised David there wouldn't be a chickpea anywhere Inside. near this one. And, and then I realised this yesterday and it snuck in. You were always going to sneak in a chickpea somewhere, Ed. Not that I object to chickpeas, but just your obsession with it. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's an interesting one. I mean, we've seen so many products made out of vegetables, um, you know, cauliflower rice and, and a million yep. other things like it. It's a, it's a nice extension of it. And I can see it could work really well with a certain demographic audience who are looking for something that's a bit like rice that's probably got a more interesting flavour profile and a better nutritional profile. Yeah, I think I think one thing that needs to be explained for the people who can't see this or don't know it, and you and I had some experience with this. I mean, we've, we've actually... You've tried this, this right rice product. <clears throat> we haven't tried it in that we didn't prepare it, but we um, had a real good look at it and opened it up and everything. Um, this is, so for those of you listening, um, right rice is a product that looks like rice that needs to be cooked. So this isn't a ready-to-eat product or a frozen product like um, cauliflower rice would be. Um, so it's got that very specific look, but what's so, and it's in a flexible stand-up pouch, but what's so fascinating, when you actually get it out of the package and you look at it, it looks like grains of rice, but those grain those grains are manufactured, so it isn't an actual grain of rice, but it looks like a grain of rice, which to me is really interesting. How would consumers feel about the fact that they've been engineered that way and manufactured? That well, uh, that would be a question. Yeah. I'm not sure yeah. that would be a big challenge. I think possibly not, given the shortness no. of the ingredient list and what the ingredients are, I don't think people would necessarily object to that. I don't think that's a problem. I think I think the fact that it looks like rice is actually plays to its advantage. I think it really encourages you to use it's it in the right really way. Really accessible. Yeah, it's accessible. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to know how to cook it and serve it. It's going to have the right consistency to go with the, the sauces and things you yeah. normally use rice with. Yep. You haven't got to think very hard about it. It's just a straight substitute. The one thing I would wonder is the um, I've forgotten what the price is on this. Yeah, consumers focusing on more vegetables and all of that seem to be a bit more willing to step up a bit in terms of price. Mm -hmm. But given how low cost a really quite a big bag of white rice is, this is going to be such a substantial premium. Yeah. So that I think might be, could potentially be a barrier. But yeah, I mean the concept itself is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, what I really like is on the back they do um, they've got a little table on the back of pack that says right rice on one side and white rice on the other. Yes, yes. But then they list protein, fiber, net carbs, showing that right rice is basically more healthier according yep. according to that yep. list. Yeah, that's clever. Be interested to see what that compared to whole grain rice actually as well, but they don't do that. Well, oh, they want to. They want to make it look good. Yeah, then. yeah right, exactly. exactly. But that's fair enough. I mean, that's that's a bit, a bit yep. of marketing. Yep. But no, it's, I think it's a really interesting product. It looks really good, actually. They don't talk about the sustainable, um, the sustainability issues around this because there's a lot of stories at the moment on the internet about or internet media around rice being questionable about its sustainability how much water it uses versus certain other pulses and there's definitely an opportunity to shout about (laughs) these other pulses and ingredients that maybe are more probably is I think pretty a lot of companies are quite wary of doing that in case they get caught out yeah I mean you've got four ingredients in this product all they need to do is catch one of them out yeah Yeah. if one of them gets caught out you're going to kill the story so be be careful I think it's got enough else it's got enough else going for it yeah there's enough of a story otherwise and everything else yeah absolutely brilliant okay 
Um, and to finish off, we're going to one of your favourite categories. Is this rude to say? Because we've got some booze here, some alcohol here. Um, so I'm saying it's one of your favourite categories. Normally, it light, you both light up and you complain that you haven't um, got a chance to try it while we're sitting here. Um, so we've got Martin Pasco, uh, who's... Um, doing this for the first time so this is really cool he's joining us to do a recording and he has a gin to talk about so i'm martin pasco and i'm a global um food drink analyst uh, here in midtown london uk and the product i've chosen uh for being innovative in my category is an italian gin called malfi gin which is owned by Pernod Ricard. and the reasons that i've chosen it are it's amazing provenance store ingredient story which most big brands can't tell which really dials up quality and exoticism it's made with um, botanicals uh, fruit botanicals so there's lemons um, but they're not just any lemons they're from the Amalfi coast and it's also got Sicilian blood orange and grapefruit um, it really dials up sophistication of the Italian lifestyle whilst also telling a sustainability story because there's minimal movement for these ingredients um, between where they're grown and where it's produced over and out. Well, I I will say, Ed, you're absolutely right. Um, We do need a bottle of this in front of us, but it is a bit early for us to to actually do that uh, with both of us being um, uh, fans of gin. yeah, I mean, the yeah. provenance story here is, is fabulous. Yeah, yeah, really, I, really I've, is. I've actually talked about this one quite a lot um, in various projects and things I've been working on, not not just alcoholic drinks projects, but talking about the marketing language behind it, the provenance story, yep. the, um, to me, slight surprise about the whole concept of an Italian gin and how they really make the story work. I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a lovely bit of textbook provenance marketing. Um, yeah, we, we've got a bit of text in front of us with a picture of it that talks about you know the guys that created the, the distillery and you know how they were at the top of the Alpine mountains and they were inspired by the wild juniper in the area and the highest spring source in the Italian Alps and so on. It's, it's beautiful and it actually looks yeah. really attractive. It's very well done. The colours, the simplicity of the design is, is terrific. How new is it? This one, quite. This is last. I, I've only discovered it relatively recently, but I yeah. don't know when so it actually comes. So my to only challenge around gin is that have we hit a, um, a flooded market for gin, and therefore, yeah. wow, however wonderful it might be, there's a lot of quite funky botanical, exciting yeah, gins is. out there. I think that might depend a little bit on what country you're talking about, though. Okay. Um, yeah, UK has become resaturated. Yes, and I don't think the US has yet. Probably not. And I think there are plenty of other mm. parts of the world that haven't yet as well. Um, and if it's surprising to you that this is gin from Italy, then I would think that that may mean that there's a lot of opportunity there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, to me, it ties into lifestyle provenance in a way that lots of other gins don't. Lots of gins talk about the origin of the ingredients. I mean, major brands have been doing that forever. Yep. You know, these spices and, and ingredients from different parts of the world and so on. That's, that's a very familiar story. But I think to link that to an Italian lifestyle message, I think is really interesting. And if yeah. you look at any of the promotions and advertising, you look at the website, it's all about being by the seaside in Italy. 
in the summer and it's all about the Italian lifestyle. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't actually recall now the, the brand's motto, but it's basically something about, you know, sitting around in the sun and doing nothing. Um, which is you know, which is lovely you know, while sipping a, a Malfi gin. It's, it's worse than that well, effect. That's, that's pretty much perfect. Yeah, I think. and yeah. Uh, that I think that's clever because it is. Yes. yes, it is a saturated market, but they found a point of difference. Yep, that's not just about the origin of the ingredients; it's mm-hmm. about the lifestyle you can attach to yep. that. Yep. Okay, we've got quite a good selection for yeah. you to choose from. So. Yeah. I think again. I think last year I, um, I asked you to you had a, a pick a winner that you both really loved, mm-hmm. but maybe is that this idea of picking one that you think actually would would really sell as yeah. well. Um, so it's almost picking two. And if it comes to the one winner for both, then great. Um, that's okay. But I think it just means you get to chat about a couple of them. Yep. Mm. I think I know. I th- I think I know. Off to you then. All right. Well, I think, to my mind, the one that has the chance to do really well in the marketplace is the Chobani with less sugar. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, out of this group, it's kind of the easy choice because it's the biggest brand. Mm -hmm. It's the best well-known in its market. And it is so on trend in such a big way. Um but I think all of those things combined, especially with the fact that it's Chobani and how well-known Chobani is, um, to me, that feels like that's the one that has the chance for the biggest success. Mm-hmm. What do you I'd, think? I'd go along with that. I'd say that's the commercially, that's the one most likely to succeed. Yeah. I would flag up as a potential second, actually, the right rice product. Really? Because it's not a refrigerated or frozen product. It's ambient storage, it's flexible, versatile, like relatively accessible hmm. probably. And I think that whole area is still growing really quite fast. Yeah. Whether that brand is, abs- is absolutely the right one, I don't know. But I think yeah. there's a lot more activity in that space around carbs made from vegetables. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd give that one a second call out. It, it, okay. it nicely fits into, the, we've got a big trend called high-tech harvest this year. Yeah. And the idea that certain ingredients, we're going to need them more to save the world as a kind of you know long long term and whether you have to start thinking about re-engineering you know a very staple product to make it fit uh, a future um, that that product sort of speaks quite nicely it could Um, do Mm -hmm. quite Mm -hmm. like that Mm. yep have you got a favourite that you really is there another one that you're saying which one sells but any that you really love the story or are you sitting yeah, in the chair and I think Dave and I are going to say exactly the same one aren't we Malfi Gin, Gin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gin. but again actually my second call out actually would be the night food ice cream oh, because I, I, I love the story of it and I think actually it doesn't matter whether it works or not I think it's just a really nice story and a nice presentation of an idea and I think we've yeah. talked so much about nighttime food and no one's really made it work yet I don't think I'm not sure that brand will either but I think it's a lovely story and it's a nice way of trying it I'll disagree with you on that one but um, we definitely agree on the Malfi Gin <laughs> yeah for definitely. sure just go and buy we've a bottle now screaming which is nice so, yeah we're going to need to get some Malfi Gin <laughs> out um, Martin will be very pleased um, so a bit of love for Malfi Gin and a bit of a commercial potential commercial success for Chobani well, maybe um, maybe some sustainable world saving accessible right rice as well in the Possibly. mix um Thank you very much. Again, it's been really exciting. Um, so um, hopefully we'll bring us back for next year for another round of this. Maybe we maybe we do again something different or if the, the format works and people like it, then brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, did you enjoy it? Yeah, great. Of course. 
I think you always enjoy these things. So, um, to our listeners, thank you for listening. Um, make sure you subscribe. We're now into our, our second series. Um, so please subscribe again, rate, reviewers. Um, we're on all the, um, everywhere where you can get a podcast, all the platforms. So you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and so on. Um, if you want to know more about us, about Mintel, um, check out our social media platforms. Um, we're on LinkedIn and Instagram and, and, and so on. And we're, you can look at our website, Mintel.com. Um, otherwise, uh, catch us next time um, for um, another round of Mintel's Little Conversation. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.